Oh boy. Welcome back to MQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Hour number two of the program still to come. We've got more Sunday NFL action to go over. We'll, of course, get to the Monday night's game between the Eagles and the Buccaneers. But joining us now, sports betting analyst and Nico Collins fan club president, John Daigle, wrestling that moniker away from our own Aaron Hawksworth, I suppose. Make sure to follow him on X at NotJDaigle. Hey, why don't we would just start here because uh, that's what the montage says us to do. Uh, Nico Collins, 73 and a half receiving yards, Browns, Texans, Cleveland, two point favorites, really good defense. What do you do with Nico Collins here over or under John? The defensive injuries the Browns suffered during the week made this spot softer for Nico Collins. In my opinions, it's an interesting game in general because the microanalysis of it is actually cut and dry in favor of the Browns. Just that the Cleveland defense is scheming the fourth most man coverage, the league's second most cover one, and that's what C.J. Stroud has struggled against this year, probably because his receivers have been so banged up that they haven't had the personnel at one time at any point this year that can separate against one-on-one schemes. He is 22nd in completion rate against man coverage, uh, 38th in EPA per play. It hasn't been good. But if you just step back and play the long game, which I'm trying to do with most of these playoff matchups, because it's that time of the year where elite teams or teams that weren't even that good then got better over the last month of the season, we have to ask these questions. For the Texans... I remember they were initially favored by two and a half points in this matchup a couple weeks ago until Case Keenum got named starter and the line shifted entirely. Not only that, but this is the first repeat matchup for Flacco too. So I don't think there's any chance he comes out and surprises D'Amico Ryans again, who just wasn't prepared to scheme properly against a potent downfield launching attack against Amari Cooper in that 250-yard day. And so, Mm -hmm. honestly, it then becomes C.J. Stroud, who just became, uh, who just won a playoff game essentially against Indianapolis versus a 38-year-old who didn't have a job until December. And so I'm taking the Texans money line and ignoring like the micro analysis of the matchup. And I think that again, that's better for Nico Collins over receiving yards as well. Though, though not as confident as I was against the Colts with the alt lines. You think they're scoring in this game? Like we we saw Cooper go off and Joku's gotten his with Flacco under center. Uh, You know, it's not one of these games where we're dealing with the elements, like some of the other ones that we'll get to, but uh, how do you, how do you think the, the game flow is? If the Texans cover, I think it's a lower scoring total. So those to me correlate Mm. to Texans and under. The the Houston secondary has been pretty good against defending tight ends as well this year. And so to me, it's just about going back to Amari Cooper as the higher floor. And Joku, I wonder actually, not to get shut down. I don't think he can, given that we're still expecting 35, 40 plus pass attempts from Joe Flacco. We're just expecting the turnovers to come because he's been running pretty hot. Even in even in that Chicago game, honestly, the Browns should have lost that one due to Joe Flacco's turnovers. But uh, the Bears couldn't get any amount of offense going in the fourth quarter whatsoever. And so, no, I would say it's more of an Omar Cooper game. We're not expecting to have Cedric Tillman. And although Cedric Tillman doesn't seem like he provides much, he still has 20 targets in the four games he played with Flacco. So that's enough opportunity to me in terms of wide receiver vacant targets to think that Amari Cooper still gets his. But honestly, a lower scoring game probably decided about field goals and Devin Singletary's explosiveness. 
Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed being the uh, president and along with you, vice president of the Nico Collins fan club. So hopefully uh, the fairy tale season doesn't come to an end this weekend. But what is one of your favorite bets, side total prop that you like for the weekend? I actually didn't expect to have many, but then when the market opened uh, on, on Sunday night, Monday morning, I was shocked. I liked a lot of numbers, and uh, I think we we disagree on this show about a couple of numbers. I can save those for a second because I still my favorite bet of the week is still tying Chiefs money line into a lot of these dog parlays. I'm not even really a, a parlay guy. I've round robined a lot of them just to make sure I have all my exposures. But I, I love the dog numbers this week because the matchups are just so well. And and plus how some of these elite teams like the Eagles have just stumbled in the playoffs and it doesn't seem like it's enough time to get anything right. So Chiefs money line for me. Uh, I actually think the Dolphins cover the four and a half points. I think it's gotten a little out of a hand, like the Steelers-Bills. Ed, I know we disagree on that one, but the total to me in like Steelers-Bills is too low to give the Steelers 10 points. And so I just took the points based on like the actual outcome of the game and how overrated I think Buffalo's offense has become under Joe Brady. To me, that's kind of like Dolphins-Chiefs where what the Dolphins do best in explosive runs, although... The Chiefs' defensive EPA numbers, I understand, have gotten worse over the second half of the season. I really think them not creating turnovers and having lots of injuries in that time have really factored into that more than them just becoming a a worse unit overall. I still very much have respect for this Chiefs' defense. So expecting a lower-scoring game where they're just leaning on the running game both sides, and that's enough to keep the Dolphins around. But I very much think the Chiefs get it done, so... Chiefs money line against this Dolphins, you know, defense, as we all know, that have run out worse than probably any team I can imagine. I understand a lot of people don't even know, like, Jerome Baker is their best coverage linebacker. Andrew Van Ginkle was having, like, an all-pro season. He was amazing, maybe even as important as Bradley Chubb, and both those guys now gone as well as everyone else. So, to me, it's still just the Chiefs money line. Definitely makes sense. Totally uh, understand that one. How about we get to playoff leaders when it comes to passing, rushing, and receiving? Who stands out to you in those markets? For rushing, I'll go back to the Chiefs because as crazy as it sounds, Isaiah Pacheco has become more important to this team than Travis Kelsey. That is who they lean on for better or worse. And we've seen in his last four starts now, 21 and a half touches. He's handled 89% of the team's running back touches. And in that span, only Christian McCaffrey has run for more first downs. And they're a really good offensive line too. They're creating the sixth most yards before contact, which is an offensive line stat because you have to clear out that room before the running back gets touched. And so the fact that they have become an elite running unit, which is super impressive because they won the first Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill against the Niners. They won last year's Super Bowl against Philadelphia based on like the defense they created once Chris Jones returned right before the playoffs. And then now to do it on the back of a running attack and still be, in my, again, in my opinion, I, I think they're such a threat in the AFC. We'll see what happens if they run to Baltimore. Um, I like Isaiah Pacheco. Last I checked on Thursday, it was plus 1,600 to lead the playoffs in rushing yards. And given that this is a rushing offense with Patrick Mahomes now being the world's best game manager, I like that number quite a bit. A long shot at most receiving yards. Um, you know, I do think C.D. Lamb is probably the, the wisest pick, even though it's not even a far number. Amon Ross St. Brown, if we don't think Sam Laporte is going to go, is even in this first game, 
an amazing selection as well because he's just over plus 700 to lead the playoffs in receiving yards. And in this first matchup without Laporta, we know the Rams only plays man coverage on 15% of their defensive snaps. They mostly stay back like the Cardinals and play a lot of zone. And only Jalen Wall and Tyree Kill have been targeted more on their routes this year than Amon Ross St. Brown. And I think that's only because defenses know they can't man up Tyree Kill, so you have to play zone against Miami no matter what you do. So expecting a huge day for Amon Ross St. Brown this week. So he's like the smarter dark horse, but the long one, and this is not a bit, because I think the Texans oh, no. can mess around. I think the Texans can mess around enough. And if they win this week, which again, I do think they win this week, they run into the Ravens. And so Mike McDonald probably has their number. It probably doesn't matter. But Nico Collins is plus 3,000. And again, Nico Collins is the kind of guy who does have big days, even if it's only two or three games, that can lead the playoffs and receiving yards if we think like Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, if those guys are one and done. And so the long one that, again, you're probably wasting mm-hmm. money on, but the long shot is Nico Collins to me. You guys need to seek help. I mean, seriously. I, agree. I already Everything. go to therapy <laughs> for different reasons, but yes, I probably need a Nico Collins therapist, yes. Does, so does Nico Collins get discussed when you're laying on the couch? Maybe? Just like once in a while? <laughs> It's too, John. So we're there, in there are together. lots of tears, and it probably should be because the bets I've lost on him. Too, but no, unfortunately, <laughs> right. it's not for that. Uh, John, I'm with you on on the underdogs this weekend, which which scares me a little bit because a lot of times yeah. wild card weekend it ends up being dominated by the favorites. But I I do see value in a lot of these spots. Now, one underdog that you did not mention seems like anecdotally, it seems like it's the most popular underdog. And that's the Rams at the Lions. Where do you yeah. stand on that one, Detroit favored by three? I I was so ready. And at, to be fair, I am still so ready to back the Rams. I just think they're the better team overall, whether it's yep. better defensive players, better wide receivers, better coaching, even though Dan Campbell, I understand, is still the coach of the year candidate, um, better quarterback as well. It, it's all the Rams to me. One, it's worrisome because, as you said, they're getting mushed. Now they're a public team. Mm -hmm. That's always scares me a little bit. But not only that, when I ran my numbers, the Lions came out so much better than I thought too in this spot. And again, it makes sense because it's not only indoors where Jared Goff has been incredible this year, 23 touchdowns compared to only five outdoors, insane splits. Mm -hmm. But also, as we talked about with the Rams, they are a team that doesn't pressure the opposing quarterback. And if they're not getting pressure, as they pretty much haven't done the last month, two months, then Jared Goff is going to have his way. I also think it's a sneaky spot for the running backs, though, because the Rams have also really struggled against the run of late. And so that's how the Lions can also dominate this game. Uh, so I, I like the three and a half. That's where I got it. It's three now. I understand. I have been mm-hmm. grown enough with concern that I'm still taking the three, but whereas I was really probably cocky in the Rams' money line, I don't want to get there. I think it's going to be much closer <laughs> than even I initially expected before my, running my numbers on Monday. Rams, Texans, money line, parlay sounds like you fun know, to me. You know, the one I'm staying away from, Aaron, actually, is the Packers. And I um, and it may just be like the haunted soul of growing up in Dallas media since that's where I came from and having seen this over and over again. And like even if you look at the mm-hmm. the Packers schedule and whether it's the quarterbacks they've faced, 
you know, even these past two weeks, I had a lot of confidence in Justin Fields and the over uh, a game that reached a 26 point environment, like a donkey, but historically Joe Barry, like in their six matchups has defended Justin Fields really well. So it makes sense that that defense showed up to that game last week. But even if you just go down the road between, you know, injured Baker Mayfield, Bryce Young, Jaron Hall, who got benched, then Justin Fields. Like, the Packers just really haven't played anyone in a couple months, honestly. And so if they got drowned by the Cowboys, would make total sense. But then you'd have to say, well, like, oh, yeah, Mike McCarthy has never coached or lost a close game. Oh, yeah, the Cowboys have never screwed this up in this spot before. So I think really it's the ghost that haunt me with the seven and a half more than anything. Like I said, though, if the Cowboys were to just dunk on the Packers, would not be shocking, but I'm still very much worried about that number. For sure, for sure. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, this Dallas offense, uh, certainly there are possibilities for CeeDee Lamb, but also to this Cowboys team, uh, team total over. It's been a popular bet a good bit. Is that one that you're also backing? Yes, team total is going to be just fine because – I cannot imagine the Packers defense we just talked about. Joe Barry stops them in this spot. For me, it's really about how banged up Stephon Gilmore is. The fact that Jordan mm-hmm. Love, it, it, the offensive line has gotten better. I know people look at the stats and say the pass pro has gotten better. But really, it's because they've changed the way he plays over the second half of the season. 46% of his pass attempts have now come out within two and a half seconds. They're really just making it about the short game. And then that's creating more deep shot opportunities. And it seems like... Almost everyone and their wide receivers, although historically, as we saw last week with Luke Musgrave, historically the Packers and Matt LaFleur brought their players back along slowly. So even if Christian Watson plays, to me it's more of an under-receiving yard spot because they're just not going to play him his full allotment of snaps. But if he's out there, even like for what he does best, is that enough even like in the red zone for the Packers to be better on offense? I honestly think so. So to me, it's still over. It's it's a fair number too. Last I checked, 50 and a half. Totally fair number. I get it. But I, mm-hmm. I think both offenses get there in this game, CeeDee Lamb included. It's even a good spot for Tony Pollard. And no one ever says that. But even yes. last week, Tony Tony Pollard was doing great against it. the Commanders. The, now though, we're <laughs> seeing them mix. They're mixing Rico Dowdle in just enough to be a little bit worried about Pollard's usage because Dowdle also looks good. They're giving him like purposeful screens and targets in the red zone. But yeah, it's a good matchup for the running attack too, honestly. Good stuff. Sports betting analyst and vice president of the Nico Collins fan club, John Daigle. Please make sure to follow him on X at NotJDaigle. John, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we get back to the games where Joe and Aaron try and give me anxiety about Packers at Cowboys. That's coming up on the BetQL Network.